You are listening to An Ounce, a podcast examining resilience, preparedness, and a positive attitude, an ounce at a time. Hey, this is Jim Fugate, and it's my privilege to share An Ounce with you. This is a bonus episode. It differs from other episodes in that we step outside the weekly schedule and the regular format of the podcast and drill down on things like interviews with experts and product reviews. Today's bonus episode is all about blades, knives. So whether you need a great set of kitchen knives, a good tool for camping and hunting, or you're a prepper and looking for a great survival knife, We'll get some information in this episode that will help you recognize how to make the best choice and get the best tool for your money. The knife is considered the most versatile and basic of survival tools. It has uses that range from being a weapon for self-defense or hunting to harvesting and preparing food or cutting fabrics or leather. And as a surgeon's scalpel, the blade is used to save lives. With us today is Brent Averett. Brent is a highly knowledgeable expert on knives and is the owner of Mr. Knife Guy. The following interview was held on site in St. George, Utah at Mr. Knife Guy. So, hey Brent, thanks for inviting me to come into your store here. And uh, How are you doing? Great. It's a pleasure, Jim. Thanks for stopping by. Sure. I, I've got a question for you. Um, Brent, what is it that would make you an expert on knives? Well, that's actually a very valid question. Um, other than the fact that I've been in business for 20 years, um, I've been involved with, I think knives are just in my blood, in my family's blood. And it comes from experience, just like anything else. When I first started out, I didn't really know much about knives at all. And I thought if it looked cool, it was cool. And that's not necessarily the case. A lot of the knives that, it's basically you get what you pay for. And it has a lot to do with the steel. So just over the years of getting to know knife designers and makers and talking with them and reading blogs and keeping up with the industry, you start to learn about the steel and the manufacturer and what's good and what's not. And, and, uh, yeah, and if, if I didn't know you better, I'd have been worried about you a long time ago because of all the knives that you do own, <laughs> Brent. I've got a question for you. Um, I go to the you know, Walmart and I see a knife for 10 bucks and it looks really pretty good. And I come in here and I I see here in your store a, a beautiful display of all kinds of different kinds of knives. And I've seen at least one or two of them that are very similar to what I've seen at Walmart. Oh, should I say that? I might have to edit that out. Anyway, um, but it, your knives seem to be a lot more expensive. What's the difference? That's another really good question. And like I mentioned, you get what you pay for. You're paying for the steel. You're paying for the, the manufacturing process and uh, the time it takes to make it. So Walmart carries a lot of imported knives from China that are stamped out in a factory for very inexpensively, and that's what they're worth is $10. If you want something that's going to last or serve a specific purpose, then you want to invest in a better tool. So basically it's kind of like the difference between using a paper plate at a picnic and you're going to throw it away or using fine china that you'll be able to use over and over again. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Okay. So I see a lot of different types of knives here. How would you categorize some of these? Well, there's basically two types of knives, and that is either a fixed blade or a folder. And then every other type of knife uh, falls into that one of those two categories. There are some exceptions, like out-the-front knives are not fixed blades and they don't fold, uh, but there are exceptions. So 
then there's also different uses. A knife is a tool. It's probably the most primitive edge tool. And um, I categorize knives in kitchen knives or kitchen cutlery. You have your hunting knives, and then you have tactical knives or everyday carry knives. Okay, so if I was looking at a hunting knife and a tactical knife, what kinds of things would I see that differ between those two? That's a really good question. Hunting knives serve a specific purpose, and probably 80% of that purpose is skinning animals. So you'll want something with good steel that'll hold an edge and a wide belly so that you have a lot of area to cut with. Tactical knives are personal defense knives. They um, have very tactical aspects about them, and, and one of those aspects is that they open easily and quickly with one hand, either hand, and they close with one hand, either hand. And there's a lot of other aspects. We can get into that another time if you like. Okay. Um, well, I have also noticed there's something interesting stamped on most of the blades of these knives. That I think it's identifying the type of steel that's used. Um, is that right? That's correct. Anymore, um, knife manufacturers realize that there are knife enthusiasts out there that care about the type of steel. And there's specific steels that are very, very popular uh, with everyday carry knives just because of how they're made, what they're made out of, and how well they um, perform. There are four aspects to a knife steel that are measured when, when you're looking for a knife. And that hardness, the hardness of the steel, toughness, and that kind of sounds like it'd be the same thing, but they're actually diametrically opposed. Tough, toughness would be like how flexible uh, you could bend the knife before it breaks. So the more tough it is, the less hard it is, and the harder it is, the less tough it is. So those two aspects are diametrically opposed. And then you have corrosion resistance and edge retention. Okay. That's very interesting. Um, so if, I, if I've got a knife that's really flexible, then that would mean it's less hard. Is there advantages in going one way as opposed to the other, hardness versus flexibility? Absolutely. So, for instance, if you're a fisherman and uh, you want to fillet a fish, well, most uh, filleting knives are very thin and flexible. They have a high amount of chromium in them, which makes it stainless. Uh, a knife, in order for a knife to, or a blade to be considered stainless steel, it has to have at least 13% chromium, which makes it soft. So it has that flexibility where you can you know, easily maneuver it, but you're going to have to sharpen it more frequently because it's not hard. Oh, okay. So there is... There is a drawback to having one that's that's softer and more flexible, and you mentioned that is how often I'm going to have to sharpen it in order to maintain an edge. So I want to be able to maintain an edge so I get a really hard steel, but is there a, a point at which I want to start backing away from hardness? Exactly. Uh, hardness on blade steels is measured on a Rockwell C scale. So they'll throw out a number like, Rockwell 58 or Rockwell 61 and that's in the Rockwell C scale and what they actually do is take a, a carbide tip and put pressure and then the amount of pressure I don't know what the numbers correspond with but the higher the number the harder the blade. Uh, Rockwell 61 is pretty desirable. I've seen knives as high as Rockwell 67 then you start getting a bit brittle and they can break on you. 
Okay, and that's definitely something you don't want to have happen, especially if you're using the knife. I'd hate to have one break. Um, let's say I'm going to purchase a knife for placing it into a 72-hour kit or an emergency kit of some sort that I can get to and then use that will be reasonably multi-purpose and that will that will stand up over time to being in storage and maybe not getting a lot of use. What kind of a knife would I be looking for? That's a really good question. And uh, as you know, there are many different types of 72-hour kits. There's not just one kind, and everybody has different needs. So unless you have a specific need and you just want something all around, like you said, I would actually recommend a multi-tool. And another aspect of a 72-hour kit is weight. You don't want to have a lot of weight. The less weight, the better. So we found what we recommend for multi-tools is the brand Leatherman Wave is the model. Makes about the best multi-tool for 72-hour kits. You get just about everything. And this, it's not a high-quality steel on the knives in those multi-tools, but it's good enough. You will be sharpening them more. Okay, so a multi-tool rather than a knife is what you recommend. That sounds like a really good idea because then there would be other things that I could do with the knife. What are some of the other functions of that multi-tool? Well, probably the most obvious is it has needle nose pliers built into them. Uh, they also have a file. They have uh, flat head and Phillips head screwdrivers. And uh, they usually have a saw blade in them, bottle opener, you know, just your all-around Swiss Army knife. With a Swiss Army knife on steroids, I would right. imagine. Um, now, let's say I'm, I'm looking for a, a good kitchen knife. What would you recommend there? What am I looking for in order to get a good kitchen knife, something that I can use to trim away the fat on a steak or to trim up a piece of chicken before I lay it on the barbecue? That's a really, really good question, too. There's so many different types of kitchen knives. And you really, when you're starting out, I know it's tempting to go to Walmart or, or somewhere like that and buy a, a block set there that has everything in it and it's under $100, but you get what you pay for and you're not going to be happy because it's going to dull really fast. So again, this, it's all about the steel. Find a knife with really good steel and then depending on the task, there's only really about three kitchen knives that you need to be able to do everything. A good paring knife and a chef's knife or a santoku and then a utility knife. So... I mentioned a Japanese word there. There's really two schools of thought as far as culinary or kitchen knives go, and that's either German or Japanese. And we're seeing now the Japanese becoming a lot more popular than the Western or European German knives. Uh, if you ever watch the Food Network or some of those celebrity chefs, they're using high-end Japanese knives. Uh, Shun is a very well-known manufacturer from Japan. I'm the only authorized Shun dealer in, in southern Utah, so I like to promote them. Uh, but they are really, really good. If you know Alton Brown, the food scientist on Food Network, he only promotes the Shun Classic knives because everything about them is, is premier. So that's good to know. So I could go grab something in a block set from Walmart. Man, we are slamming those guys today. <laughs> anyway. You get what you pay for. And, uh, and I may have a whole bunch of knives for under 100 bucks, but all I really need is three really good knives and I can get something like that. And then I'm looking at something that probably lasts a lifetime. Am I right? Correct. And uh, as long as you know about sharpening or, or have a professional like myself who can sharpen, Alton Brown says you should have your kitchen knife sharpened once a year if they need it or not. If you're using your knives, and they're going to need sharpening at least every six months. I do restaurant service for some of the well-known restaurants around here. And, 
And with daily use, they have me sharpen every other week. That's pretty frequent, but they do get a lot of use that way. Well, gosh, I really appreciate you giving me the time, and we've got some great information here. Is there anything else that you think we should add to this that that potential customers of yours or that listeners of my podcast might really want to know? Yeah, don't buy CCC knives. Um, that stands for cheap crap. Uh, you get what you pay for. Personally, I won't buy a knife for myself for under $100. And I know that seems like a lot of money. Um, you can get a decent knife for around 40 or 50 But start thinking about that. If you if you want tools in your garage, you're going to go to Craftsman. It's it's what you can afford, but what you want to invest in as well. It's okay to buy disposable cheap knives, like you say, but don't expect to get a lot of use out of them. If you want to invest in something, then do that. Invest in a good, high-quality, trusted American-made brand or Japanese or Italian, but uh, stay away from China. Okay, very good. So we've now slammed made knives i wonder how many other enemies we're going to make today but that's a make an exception to that though actually there have been three or four really reputable chinese companies that have come up with some high quality um good steel ceramic ball bearing pivot titanium frame high high quality but again you're going to be paying over a hundred dollars for those knives okay great well you know what People are probably going to have some questions on knives specifically, and if they do, I'm not going to be the guy to answer them. So how can they get a hold of you? Well, I'm in southern Utah in St. George at 1127 West Sunset Boulevard, and uh, I'm also online at MrKnifeGuy.com, Facebook at Facebook slash MrKnifeGuy. You can also call me or text me. My phone number spells Hello Knife. It's 435-565-6433 or just dial Hello, knife. Fantastic. Thank you, Brent. I really appreciate your time today. It's my pleasure. And that's it. An ounce, a bonus episode submitted for your consideration. Thanks to all of you who have subscribed and continue to listen to this podcast. And check us out at anounce.org for more information. I'm Jim Fugate, and I'll catch you next time. That's an ounce for now. Thanks for listening and subscribing to this podcast. Listen again for more information, ideas, and wisdom, an ounce at a time. Hey, check out our YouTube videos at youtube.com forward slash at an ounce podcast. That's youtube.com forward slash at symbol an ounce podcast.